Jesus is king. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tuesday nights. Uh, yeah. Is a, a prelude uh, every second Tuesday night prayer meeting. Um, it's a prelude to the 13th, I believe. Um, Friday the 13th. Coming up in three weeks, we can have an all-night prayer meeting. And if you guys can just set that aside in your diary, uh, we want, want as many people to come and seek the Lord together. And we're, we're, um, we're excited, like, what God's going to do in the, um, yeah, in the midst of us and in the, the encounter nights especially. On, you'll notice a, a, a crutch over the, the doorway um, here, it's going to be the first of many. Thank you, Cups, for leaving your offering here last Tuesday. <laughs> he limped in on the crutch and left without it. So I believe that's a, that's a prophetic sign for what God's going to do. There's going to be many more um, that leave their, their crutches and walk out with the Lord. So, yeah, we are building an altar of prayer uh, in this place, and this morning's message is going to be along that topic: how to build an altar of prayer in your life. In Genesis chapter twelve, verse seven, we see Abraham. When God appeared to him, he built an altar, and he sought the Lord. In Genesis chapter twelve, verse seven to eight, it says, "Then the Lord appeared to Abram." And said to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he responded to the promise of God. He built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is, is leading us as a, as a church into, into prayer. And I want to look at one of the keys of building a prayer altar is understanding what an altar is. And I've written a couple of definitions. The first one is an altar is a system of authorization where the physical realm makes contact with the spiritual realm. A system of authorization where the physical realm makes contact with the spiritual realm. Altars are very real and they are alive and well uh, in the earth today. There are three types of altars in the Bible. The first type of altar is what Jacob built. It's like a monument and it exists over places in certain places. Second type of altar is an institution which could be like a temple or a church building. The third type of altar is you and I, people. And where people exist, altars are built and altars are established. Um, an altar 
is a place where covenants are activated and maintained. An altar is a place where covenants are activated, agreements are activated, and they are maintained. Heaven itself is an altar, and Jesus Christ rules this world seated upon an altar. We see the altar of God. The Father is there and Jesus is there seated on his right hand. And what is special about this altar in heaven is that it is, it is clothed with the blood of Christ. Because Jesus shed his blood and took it and sprinkled it upon the altar, then the covenant of Christ exists and is applicable to your life today. Jesus is seated and ruling this world, ruling his kingdom upon an altar. Altars are very powerful in the spirit. Even so, after Abraham established that altar and an agreement with God by building a monument, even after possibly that monument was destroyed and Abraham had died and gone to be with the Lord, yet that altar still speaks today. So the blessing of God over Abraham's life is still applicable even outside a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we see every Jew on the earth today understands the power of this altar. So an altar is a system of authorization where the physical realm makes contact with the spiritual realm. We are ruled in this world by a spiritual realm. And there are powers of darkness that rule in this world. And there's powers of lights. We are not subject as children of the great king, as sons and daughters of light. We are not subject to the powers of darkness, or we shouldn't be. So there is nothing to fear. However, there are altars that have been uh, knowingly and unknowingly established over men's lives. So when we see the case of Abraham's grandson, Jacob, when he came near to that place where Abraham established that altar, we see he came into what we call an open heaven. When he laid down and slept, he had a visitation of angels and he saw an access point which was established through Abraham's sacrifice, through Abraham's altar. He opened up the heavens and Jacob came into an experience of angels ascending and descending. And he woke up in the morning and said, wow, this is Bethel. This is the house of God. And I didn't even know it. So we see When we establish an altar, an altar of prayer, we are establishing an open heaven over our life and over our family's lives. So Jesus understood this. And when he walked into the temple, he saw something going on that didn't please him. He saw that they had turned his father's house into a house of business, a house of merchandise. 
So he got a, a whip and he drove out the bulls and the sheep that were being sold. And he turned over the tables of the money changers and he drove them out with great, with anger and fervency. So much so that when they saw Jesus, they realised that it was written that the zeal of my father's house has consumed me. So what was Jesus so zealous about? What, what made him so angry? And it, it is written in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Actually, I'll, I'll go into that after. But Jesus said this. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. My house. And this is before Jesus shed his blood, but he recognised that the temple was an altar. It was an altar of prayer. So there are institutions, there are buildings like this one that have been set up for the purpose of prayer. They, churches and institutions that are built to worship God or to house the people of God should not be businesses. They should not be places where, which are used to make money. They are places that function with the purpose of bringing people together for prayer. Jesus said, my house, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. The main activity in this temple should not be making business, should not be selling things, but should be prayer. And why? Because he saw into the spirit realm and he saw that the spirit of mammon had come into the house of God. He saw the spirit of Babylon that we read in Revelation that rules this world had come into the house of God and he physically drove it out. When he drove out those who were making money, when he drove out the produce, he saw the spirit behind that left. So the world is waiting for the sons of God to rise up, to take the authority of heaven, to drive out those altars that have been set up before us and to bring in the kingdom of God. So he drove out. Those money changes. In Luke chapter 18, uh, you can see Jesus taught on this subject of prayer. And he, you can read about the persistent widow. And he, he's in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says the reason he told this parable about the persistent widow that she was to knock and keep knocking until she got the answer that she wanted. But the reason he told this parable was that men should always pray. Men should always pray and not faint, not stop, not give up. We should always be in an attitude of prayer. This is what Jesus requested of man. Why? Because he understood that men were altars. You are an altar and you are designed to be continually in prayer. Not that you should, uh, you cannot go about your work, but while you go about your work, while you go about your daily needs, there, there should be incense burning on your altar. There should be praise and worship from your heart and there should be continual prayer. And this is a truth that Jesus taught so as we build our altars, our prayer altars, 
be conscious that we live in a world that is ruled by darkness and wickedness, but we carry his presence. And as we continue to pray, we will begin to walk in an open heaven. So altars continue to speak after the priest that established that altar has passed away, such as Abraham. Abraham established an altar that still speaks today. Part of establishing your prayer life and building your prayer life, part of it, an important part of it is actually pulling down illegal altars that have been established over your life and over your family. One of the main ways that an altar or a portal is established in the spirit is through consistency of practice. For an example, if I made a habit, if I stole a pen from my friend at school, that act of disobedience wouldn't attract a spirit of thievery over my life. But if every day I went to school, I made a decision that I was going to steal a pen a day, then what would happen is that the spirit of thievery, the spirit of theft that is floating around in this dark world would be called into my life. And that spirit would come into my life and it would partner with the decision that I have made to be a thief. And when I become better at stealing pens, I will then go on to stealing wallets. When I become better at stealing wallets through the help of that demonic spirit that locates the position of those wallets, I will then become a person who steals cars. I will then go on to become possibly a bank robber. So through consistency of practice, we attract a spirit that identifies with that. And that, that is on the negative. How much more as we develop a life of prayer, we attract the spirit of God. So we see the spirit realm is very real, but the spirit realm is limited because every demonic spirit in the world today needs a body to operate. And we see that even God is limited by a body. God has carved out a portion of his dominion and given it to the sons of men. We read that in Psalm 115, that the heavens, even the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. So he is, he is looking for intercessors. In Ezekiel, uh, I believe, chapter 32, you can see God is looking for intercessors. He's looking for someone to stand in the gap. And he says, who will stand in the gap for us? In Isaiah chapter 6, he said, who will go for us? Well, why can't he come himself? And in Ezekiel 32, you can read it yourself. We don't really have time to go there. But in Ezekiel 32, he's looking for somebody to bridge the gap. And because God couldn't find anybody, his wrath had to be poured out on this world. 
He was looking for an intercessor. He's looking for someone. He's looking for a man. And, and God is looking for men and women today that will act on his behalf, that will stand as an intercessor for him. He's looking for us. He chose Abraham. He called Abraham out of a, a town of idol worshipping people and said, come with me and I will bless you and I will use you and I will establish my family line through you. God needed a man in the earth to establish his kingdom. And Jesus spoke a story about if you want to go into a strong man's house and steal his goods, you must first bind up the strong man. He spoke about the demonic realm. We are coming in this world through the power of another kingdom, but we must first bind the strong man. So part of building up your prayer altar is demolishing altars that have been established before you knowingly or unknowingly. Jesus went on to say there is a stronger man here speaking about himself. And there is a man in heaven, a God man in heaven that is stronger than any spirit on this world today. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. And it says, in, it came to pass in those days that he went out into the mountain to pray. And he continued all night to prayer, all night in prayer to God. So Jesus understood what it was to offer up his life as a prayer altar. To continue all night in prayer, you, you have to tap into a spiritual realm, a realm which is greater than the realm that we see with our natural eyes. And after Jesus spent all night in prayer, the next day he came down and he chose 12 men to follow him and to be his disciples. So we see behind every covenant, behind every agreement, there is an altar that powers that covenant. Behind every agreement that the, in the word of God over your life, there is an altar in heaven set up that gives power to that agreement. So when we come in prayer to him, we come not in the power of our own authority, but we come in the power of that covenant which Jesus set up with his precious blood. And we see when he was on the earth, he took that altar, that wooden cross, and he, and he carried it. And as he was carrying the cross up towards the hill of Calvary, you see the blood from his back dripped down on that cross before he even got there. He became so weak that he had to hand that cross to another man which helped him carry that altar. And as Jesus died on that cross, he became a curse 
for man so that every curse and every altar that had been built up over your life from your father or your forefathers could be broken and could be pulled down. He then went up into heaven and established an eternal altar, which blood still speaks better things over our life than any blood of revenge or any blood of hatred or any blood uh, of jealousy, which we see uh, in, in the life of Cain and Abel. If we could just put our thoughts back to the, to the Garden of Eden when man sinned and was pushed out of the garden, Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. Both of them operated as priests. In fact, Adam taught his sons that if you are to have fellowship with God, if you are to pray to God, then you're to build an altar and you bring blood. You bring blood to that altar because life, a man's life is in the blood. An animal's life is in the blood. And when we come before our great king, we come not without blood. We come with blood. We come with the very life of of the son of God. But we see Cain brought the fruit of the ground. He brought his harvest. Abel brought uh, his, the, the, the lamb, an offering of blood. We see Cain's offering was rejected, but Abel's was accepted. Cain brought the fruit of his own labor. He brought a bloodless offering. The father couldn't accept that. But Abel brought an offering with blood. And quite often in, in, in religious circles, we come with our talent, we come with our abilities, we come with, with, with what we have in the natural and we offer it to God, but he's not, he's not satisfied with that. There's only one offering that satisfies the heart of God and that is the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we build our prayer altar, we don't build it on our own good works, our own ambitions, our own talent. We don't build it on on who we are, but we build it on who Christ is. We have to understand it is only the blood of Christ that gives us access and access it does give us. That's why in Hebrews it says, therefore, because of the blood of Jesus, let us come boldly because you will be accepted. And you, your, your request will be answered. So let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and help in time of need. We are in a time of need. You may be in a time of need today, but, but rest assured that the blood of Jesus still speaks better things over your life. So whatever altar has been established, whatever demonic altar has has been established over your family and over, over your bloodline, there is a better bloodline. There is an altar that still speaks today and it's the altar that Abel represented. Sure, he lost his life, but so did Jesus. And when Jesus' blood was shed, that altar still speaks today. But it speaks better things. The, the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. So the blood of Abel cried out to God. It cried out revenge. It cried out jealousy. It cried out anger. And for many of us, even after we come to Christ, 
We receive his blood and we get cleansed, but we find there's still this anger in our lives. There's still this jealousy in our lives. There's still habits of failure. Whenever we seem to try to get ahead in life, whenever we start succeeding, then something comes against us. That's because there are these spiritual altars that have not been pulled down. And I believe today is the day where we are going to pull down these demonic altars that have been established in our lives. And it is only through the blood of Christ that we obtain victory. So when you see repeated habits of failure in your life, that indicates that there is an altar, a demonic altar speaking against your life. If there's repeat habits of sin in your life, even though you believe in Christ, even though you're a son of God, there can be still these demonic altars speaking against you. So if that's the case with your life today, if there's repeated sickness, if there's repeated failures in your life, then today we're going to pull down those strongholds in your life because there's, there's a stronger altar that's been established for you in heaven, a more beautiful altar, a more complete altar. So Abel, as he, he lost his life, when he presented a blood sacrifice, we see Jesus Christ also lost his life that a greater altar could be established. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, we see there are those sacrifices that remind us of sins. So there are altars that have been built up that are sacrifices that provide no victory of sin. There are many religious altars. There are many religious institutions in the world today that we even call churches, but provide no deliverance from sin, no deliverance from the demonic strongholds over people's lives. But we are building a house of prayer. I don't know what they are doing in other houses. That's not my concern. But my concern is that we would build here a house of prayer where there would be a sacrifice established that promises deliverance from sin, that promises deliverance from any demonic stronghold that has been established over our lives. The blood of bulls and goats could not take away sins. However, Jesus said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. So through Jesus' body, as the Father prepared a body for him through the womb of Mary, the blood of Christ was interjected by the Father through the Holy Spirit that was incorruptible, was without blemish and without stain. And when that blood was shed, it gives us deliverance from every enemy. So Jesus provided an altar that would assist men to walk in dominion and to walk in authority on this earth. So as we build up our prayer altar, we are learning to walk in dominion and authority on this earth. Jesus rules the world seated on an altar and he's looking for representatives 
to represent him today. Abraham was an altar builder. And through his altar, he called on a supernatural power and a supernatural grace that enabled him to walk in dominion and authority on the earth. So much so that when his nephew Lot got uh, taken captive, he took his 300 men in his own household and he went out and he defeated five kings and five armies with his 300 trained servants. He walked back and as he was going through the spoil that he collected, this unusual man by the name of Melchizedek rocks up. And this Melchizedek, it's written that he had no beginning and no ending. And he was a priest of the Most High God. And he was also a king of Salem, a king of peace, king of Jerusalem. And in Hebrews 7 verse 4, it says, Now consider how great this man was to whom even... Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the spoils. So when, as soon as we're, we're amazed about Abraham, how can you train 300 men and go and defeat five kings and their armies? I think Abraham must have been amazing. But as soon as we start thinking about Abraham's skill and ability and, and talent, in comes Melchizedek. And and the Bible tells us, now consider how great, how great was this Melchizedek. That even Abraham offered him the first portion of the spoils. So just as Abraham's starting to feel a little bit proud about what he'd done and people are giving him all the acc accolades, in rocks Melchizedek, in rocks the king of Jerusalem, the king of peace, in he comes. And his mere presence commands Abraham to take the first portion of his, of his spoil and surrender it to Melchizedek. Consider how great this man was. So the key to Abraham's victory was definitely in the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, this great Melchizedek, this King of Peace, this King of Salem. And Jesus deserves all the glory. We cannot withhold anything from him. He deserves everything that you have and everything that you are. Even before he shed his blood, he walked on the earth as a king when he was invited by men who knew their power and their dominion and their authority. When, she, when, when, when the martyr Stephen shed his blood, it is written in heaven that Jesus stood up. When Stephen was being martyred, he had a vision, an open heaven, and he saw what was going on. He saw King Jesus standing up off the altar in heaven and, and receiving Stephen's blood. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is worthy to receive your very life. Consider how great this man was, whom even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the spoils. 
Spiritual altars are alive and well on the earth today. You may not be aware of what your grandfather or your great-grandfather was into. This is where the prophetic ministry has to have discernment and we need to wait upon the Lord and and, and notice if there is re- repeat patterns of failure in your life, then that finishes today because the blood of Jesus speaks a better thing. Consider how great this man was. We are called to walk as sons of God. We are called to walk in all the promises of God. Don't sell yourself short and don't leave your life to chance. Part of understanding the dominion and authority that we walk in as sons of God is not accepting defeat. It's no longer being pushed around by the wiles of the enemy and people that want to sell you anything less. Probably 10 years ago, I was up in Papua New Guinea in in Mount Hagen and we did an outreach on Friday night in the street in the marketplace and I was able to speak to them about Cain and Abel and shared with them about the contention over the first altar. We can see, you know, it's true that most wars happen in the world over religion. Why? Because over this aspect of worship, Contention takes place in the spiritual realm and it's transferred into the natural. We see Satan in heaven contended for glory. He contended. In, in fact, he, he left his first estate. What was Satan's first estate in heaven? He was created to be a worshipper. He was created to worship the almighty God. He left that place and he tried to climb up to receive glory. He was pushed down. So the first contention that we have in the Bible history is Satan himself left that first estate was cast down. The second murder we have in the Bible, the second loss of life we see uh, in Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when they left that place of intimacy and they were left pushed out of the garden. Then we see the first murder in the Bible over the contention of an altar. And I, I, I was preaching on this one Friday night. And the next day when we were going to leave, I noticed a lot of uh, gangs, people coming with machetes to seek revenge. And I found out that during that meeting that we had, On the Friday night, there was a young man that was due to be married that night. And he was celebrating his Bucks party. He was a he was in the church. He was a Christian, but he backslid. He turned away from God and walked away from the covenant of promise. He didn't respond to that message that night. And that night he lost his life. He was murdered in that spot. 
and I'm questioning God, Lord, what's going on? Did I cause that to take place? But the Lord showed me that there are covenants and there are agreements that are in place on the earth. And just as Cain came as a priest and offered his sacrifice, there was an agreement made. His sacrifice, Cain's sacrifice was rejected by God, but who accepted it? Who accepted Cain's sacrifice? Because it's still alive in the earth today. That's why there's anger. That's why there's hatred. That's why there's murder. In fact, my father also was an angry man. And guess what? I didn't learn. I didn't have to learn how to be angry. That altar spoke over my life, but, but, but I found an altar that was stronger. I found the blood of Jesus, which spoke better things over my life. But then I'm thinking, Lord, why, why did you allow this to happen? And why does God allow bad things on the earth? We can't blame him. He's looking for a man to stand in the gap. He's looking for us to accept his blood as an offering. In Revelation chapter 8, verse 3 to 5, I'm going to close with this scripture. Uh, but I, I want us to consider a life of prayer. John had a vision in heaven and he saw another angel having a golden censer and he came and stood at the altar. This is the altar in heaven. And he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So in heaven, there is the throne of God, which is an altar. And in front of the throne of God, there is a golden altar. And what is the purpose of that altar? It was revealed to John. It's the purpose of that altar is a collection point for the prayers of the saints. From that altar, smoke went up as incense to the throne of God with the prayers of the saints. So here's a lesson for us in how to pray. That our prayers to gain access, they don't just go straight to the throne. You're, when you pray, it doesn't go straight to the throne. It goes through a filter point. And there's an angel in charge of that filter point. And there's an altar that your prayers go to. And for your prayers to make it there, they must be coupled with praise and thanksgiving. That's why Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He said, pray your kingdom come. Ask God's kingdom to come into your life. But before you do that, hallow him, worship him, honour him, offer him incense. It's right that he receives glory from your life. We can't just come with our list and expect our list to be answered, but we come before the presence of the great King with our offering, with our incense. Just like when Melchizedek turned up to Abraham, Abraham came with his offering, with his worship, because there's one in our midst who is greater. That Melchizedek, King of Salem, he's greater and he deserves everything. He deserves all the honour, all the glory and all the praise. 
So we see the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascend before God from the angel's hands. So it's the smoke of the incense that lifts your prayers to the throne of God from the altar that is in heaven. So as you worship him, as you worship him with your life and you combine kingdom prayers, rest assured that your prayers will go right to the throne of God. And this is a secret of how to pray. This is how you pray. You offer him the praise that's due to his name and you couple it together with thy kingdom come. So we see the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. So after the prayers rose up to the throne, there was a transfer from the throne to the altar. The angel took it and threw fire to the earth. What was the fire that he threw to the earth? It was the answered prayer. And while we were praying uh, two weeks ago in our, our staff prayer meeting, I had a vision of fireballs going through the church. I didn't know what it was. But when I read this verse yesterday, I realised that those fireballs that God is releasing in the midst of his church is the answered prayer. And God is moving powerfully in our midst and he is sending his fireballs. The fire of answered prayers is coming down. And we see that in the book of Acts, where even though the disciples had received the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, don't go out until you be endured with power. Why 40 days, 50 days? Why did they have to spend 50 days praying in the upper room? 50 days of prayer, then the power of God was released. Jesus, even though he was filled with the Holy Spirit at his baptism, it wasn't until he spent 40 days in prayer and fasting that he came out with power. He was filled with the Spirit before prayer. But after a prolonged season of prayer and fasting, he came out in the power of the Spirit. The disciples, we see this pattern in the disciples. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, but they weren't empowered by the Holy Spirit until they established their personal prayer altar and their corporate prayer altar. So as we give ourselves as a church in this next season to prayer, May each of us build up our personal altars and we come together for corporate prayer in dominion authority and we command things to take place. Our prayers will be powerful and effective. So we see the angel release this fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And we see the response there. There were noises, there were thunderings, there were lightnings and there was an earthquake. So when heaven responds, there's a change to your natural circumstances. Even though there may be quietness around in the natural, when God intervenes, earthquakes start. Fire comes. Thunderings come. Prepare for change in your life. When heaven intervenes, changes come. Why? Because there, God operates out of a realm that is higher, out of a realm that is greater. And when he intervenes in your life, things start changing. 
So prepare for change. Heaven is going to respond with an earthquake. Heaven is going to respond with an earthquake. So I'm going to finish there, but I want to finish in prayer this morning. We're going to pray corporately. um, And then if if you would like some prayer ministry, there's, there's going to be a few people with the blue lanyards this morning as we worship. Uh, if anything is resonated to you or you feel like you need some, some further prayer over these matters, uh, if there's some strongholds in your life that really need pulling down or victory or there's somebody in your family that has repeat patterns uh, that, are, uh, that are unhealthy, then definitely there's been an altar uh, set up in your life and or in your family's life that needs to be pulled down. So we'd like to pray into that this morning. So yeah, let's let's all stand together. Father, we thank you for a healthy, a healthy family, a healthy family that walks in victory. I think you have called us to walk in victory. You've called us to walk in power. And right now, in Jesus' name. We pull down any altar that stops your people from rising right now in Jesus' name. I pull down any altar of poverty that has risen up against your people. In Jesus' name, I disempower that altar over your people's lives. Any altar of sickness, any repeat sickness in family lines. We break that power. We break that agreement. We break that covenant with an altar that is more powerful, an altar that is more stronger. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that speaks better things over our lives. Father, I thank you, God. Yeah, I cancel out right now. Repeat patterns of failure in Jesus' name. Failure stops today. Lord, I thank you that you have called your people to be the head and not the tail, to be above and not below. Father, I thank you. I thank you for deliverance this morning. I thank you for freedom this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We break patterns this morning. Patterns of disobedience. I break the power of witchcraft this morning. I break every demonic altar that has been set up over your people's lives right now. We call down fire from heaven. We call down fire from heaven. Every pattern that comes against the blood of Jesus Christ right now is disenabled. It's disenabled. I thank you, Lord, that your covenant is established over your people. A covenant of peace, a covenant of prosperity, a covenant of health. We come into agreement with the blood of Jesus Christ today. We cancel out every plan of the enemy to pull us down and to cause us to fail. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sprinkle every heart with your precious blood. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Father, bring increase 
increase this morning. Let your anointing flow. Let your anointing flow. I thank you. Every yoke is broken by your anointing. Every yoke is broken. Every stronghold is pulled down. Father, I thank you that you're calling us to walk in freedom this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you feel like you, in your life, that you've been paddling against the current, you feel like there's a spirit that is troubling you and pushing against you, then I would request that you would you would come out this morning and, and allow us to pray with you. If you feel like there's been a, a constant pressure coming against your life and you haven't received victory, then please don't leave this morning without receiving prayer without walking out in victory. If there's sickness in one of your family members, even though that person may not be here, if there's repeat sickness in one of your family members, uh, we can we can pray together over that this morning. If there's joblessness, if there's repeat uh, failure in, in career, failure in jobs, uh, let's pray into that. If there's loss of life in your family line, there's death in your family line. The devil is a thief. He's a robber. He's come to kill, steal and destroy. If there's a habit of death in your life, then we're going to cancel out that altar of death that has been established because Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. Premature death is not God's plan for our life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So just as we worship, um, we're just going to ask the prayer team to come out. And if any of those things...